Well, good morning again, church. This isn't the typical start to a sermon, but I want to reintroduce myself to you all because I'm sure there's at least one person in this room turning to the person next to them and saying, who is that guy again? That's okay. Uh, my name is Dan Nelson. I'm your newest pastoral resident. And uh, me and my wife, Heather, have been here for three months now. Actually, this weekend marks our third month being in this worship service with you. Um, and I just want to reflect on that time a little bit before jumping into the Word of the Lord. I am so thankful for how you guys have received my family. You have loved us so well from the beginning. A year and a half ago, we felt called to come here and serve in a residency. And now that we've been here for three months, we can say that we feel the call to be here. You guys have loved us well by helping us move in, building our furniture the first day, making sure that we had food the first few weeks we were here, and gift cards that lasted all the way up until about a month ago. Thank you for all of that. But most importantly, Heather and I have really enjoyed being a part of this congregation. We have learned very quickly that First Free is a church that really believes the word of the Lord. And you know it is essential to all that we do. And we have been blessed by the depth of your biblical knowledge. And we thank you for that. It seems fitting that this passage here, 1 Samuel 2.12 through 4.1, would be assigned to me for my first time preaching at First Free. See, it's, it's hard as a young preacher, okay, maybe not young, but rookie preacher, to not look at the call of Samuel and be motivated by the way the Lord chose and established Samuel. It's difficult to not get excited about the existing priesthood of Eli in this passage being collapsed into the prophetic office with Samuel. I mean, Samuel is the first prophet of Israel since Moses. He's the first man to hear the word of the Lord in who knows how long. And he will deliver the word of the Lord in a way that shakes the very existence of Israel. There are many angles to this text. But as a church soaked in the Word, that, the, that believes the Word does the work, it only seemed right to allow the Word of the Lord to shine through in this text. The Word of the Lord is the central theme. The primary problem here is that the Word of the Lord was rare, and therefore Israel did not know the Lord. Go ahead and turn your Bibles with me to 1 Samuel 3 if you haven't already. Now we have a lot of ground to cover this morning, so I want to lay out what you can expect to hear. First, you will hear that the word of the Lord was rare. Secondly, you will hear why the word of the Lord was rare. And third, we will hear what the Lord does about His Word being rare. 
We're going to jump right in to 1 Samuel 3.1. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. Right off the bat, we have three characters introduced to us. We see the boy Samuel, who is ministering in the presence of Eli. And then third, we have the word of the Lord. Now we know that Samuel was doing ministry. We know that Eli was witnessing Samuel's ministry. And then the word of the Lord was, well, rare. Meaning, the word of the Lord was few and far between. Unheard by the people of Israel. Which begs the question, why was the Lord not speaking to Israel? Now that we know the word of the Lord is rare, we need to know why it was rare. If you guys have the opportunity to spend some individual time with me and get to know me, you'll know that one of the things I enjoy doing in my leisure is watching movies. I, I love all sorts of movies. I love the way stories are told. I love the narratives. I love, I love plot lines. I love when the story has a twist ending. And whether or not um, you are as much of a movie fanatic as I am, most people have heard of the writer and director Quentin Tarantino. Now, I'm not recommending his movies for your viewing. Okay? But Quentin Tarantino is known for doing something different in his storytelling. He doesn't tell a linear story. He often starts at the end, or the problem, or the situation that comes at the end of his movies, and then goes back through the plot to show how we got there, and the full understanding of the ending becomes revealed. This is what I'm going to be doing here today. The Lord, the word of the Lord is rare. And I want you to think, why? Why is Israel in the place that it is in right now? How did they get here? In order to do that, we need to look back to the first time we see Samuel and Eli together. Look with me at 1 Samuel 2.11. And the boy was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli the priest. Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. Two more characters come on scene here. We see Eli's sons Hophni and Phinehas. And once again we find Samuel ministering. Eli witnessing to that ministry. And then these other boys are described as worthless. Now this is a strong rebuke. But if you keep on listening, you will see that worthless is the nicest thing they could be called. Hophni and Phinehas would send their servants to collect their priestly portion of the people's sacrifice to the Lord. Leviticus tells us that the sacrifice to the Lord is the fat. And that which is left over, the lean meat, is intended for the priests. 
In fact, Leviticus 7.25 says that, For every person who eats of the fat of an animal of which a food offering may be made to the Lord shall be cut off from his people. There was no question of whether this meat was eligible for sacrifice to the Lord. These servants would come in as the meat was still boiling, fat still intact, not yet dropped off, and they would take their fork and stab it in the boiling water. And they would let that fork come out of the water, and whatever meat it was holding, fat or lean, they would eat it. They would take the Lord's portion for themselves. And even more importantly, they would actually go, the servants would actually go to those that were sacrificing the meat and say, no, 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 I don't want that boiled stuff. Give me the raw meat so I can pick the choicest of choice meat. The people of Israel knew that this was not right. They would rebuke these servants and say, let them burn the fat first and then take as much as you wish. The sacrifice was so disdained and held in contempt that these servants would then threaten the Israelites that, the, that were offering sacrifices with physical harm. Hophni and Phinehas are spending their time becoming fat on the sacrifices intended for the Lord. They are stealing from the people of Israel, and more importantly, the Lord. 2.16 says this, Thus the sin of the young men was very great in the sight of the Lord, for the men treated the offering of the Lord with contempt. Meanwhile, as the offspring of Eli are blaspheming God, where do we find Samuel? 2.18-21 through 21 says, Samuel was ministering to the Lord a boy in his priestly garb made by his faithful mother, Hannah. Eli, who was witnessing at this point, had now become Samuel's spiritual father and has taken it upon himself to bless Hannah. With that, the Lord found increasing favor with Hannah, blessing them with three more sons and two daughters. Eli blesses the family of Samuel, because he witnessed the faithfulness of Hannah, Elkanah, and now Samuel. Well, how does he treat the worthlessness of his sons? 2.22 and following says, Now Eli was very old, and he kept hearing all that his sons were doing to all Israel, and how they lay with the women who were serving at the entrance to the tent of meeting. And he said to them, why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all these people. No, my sons, it is no good report that I hear the people of the Lord spreading abroad. If someone sins against a man, God will mediate for him. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him? But they would not listen to the voice of their father, for it was the will of the Lord to put them to death. Eli heard about what his sons were doing. He said to them, I hear of your evil. It is not a good report that I hear spreading. They would not listen. 
Eli had a responsibility to hold his sons and priests accountable to the word of the Lord. Eight times we hear in this passage something about a verbal hearing or, or listening or speaking that Hophni and Phinehas do not hear. Words were not enough for them. The Lord's will is to put the sons to death. Eli falls short, his words falling to the ground. Hophni and Phinehas ignore the words of their father. And once again, where do we find Samuel? 226. Now the boy Samuel continued to grow, both in stature and in favor with the Lord, and also with man. Hannah, in chapter 1, asked the Lord to find favor on his servant. Hannah found that favor. And now, as a servant of the Lord, Samuel is also finding favor. We see Hophni and Phinehas did not know the Lord. They held contempt for him. And as Eli witnessed to the ministry of Samuel and the wrongdoings of his sons, we see that Eli had little to no zeal for the Lord. Therefore, the Lord will reject the house of Eli. The Lord sends an unknown man of God to deliver an eviction notice. Remember that all that we have seen so far has also been witnessed by all of Israel. The sons taking the fat, laying with the women, and now we see this official public recognition by the word that is brought against Eli to him directly. Remember when I talked about Leviticus just a moment ago? It said, those that ate the fat intended for the Lord would be cut off. Look with me at 2, 29, 31, and 34. For our note takers, I'll say that one more time. I'm going to be reading 2, 29, 31, and 34. If you can't follow the text, that's okay. Just listen to the words. Why then do you scorn my sacrifices and my offerings and honor your sons above me by fattening yourselves? Behold, the days are coming when I will cut off your strength and the strength of your father's house. Hophni and Phinehas shall be the sign to you. Both of them shall die on the same day. The Lord will bring down the house of Eli in order to raise up the sure house of the faithful priest. The faithful priest will go in and out before the Lord's anointed forever. The word of the Lord is doing a work here, preparing for the anointed King David that is yet to come. Which we, of course, know is preparation for the true King, Jesus Christ. So why was the word of the Lord rare? It was a sign of the judgment of God. Yahweh withdrew his light of his word and allowed Israel to wander. For they had abandoned the word of the Lord. The Lord 
wants Israel to know him. And he is ultimately willing to do whatever it takes for that to happen, including tearing down the house of an unfaithful priest in order for a faithful priest to step forward, proclaiming the word of the Lord and establishing his king in that word. Now first we heard the word of the Lord was rare. Now we know why the word of the Lord was rare. Now we need to see what the Lord will do about this problem. So return with me to the heart of the temple where we find Samuel. 1 Samuel 3, 2-3 says this, At that time Eli, whose eyes had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. We hear that Eli's eyes have grown dim. His physical eyesight, he's going blind or he has cataracts. There's something that stops him from seeing. However, there is also an illustration to his spiritual eyesight here. There was no frequent vision. Eli was going blind. But wait, there's still hope. The thing that allows us to see. For the lamp of God has still not gone out yet. While Eli is hardly able to see, Samuel has taken Eli's position nearest to God. Samuel was tending to the lamp of God faithfully. While the sons of Eli were laying with women outside the temple, Samuel is laying near God. And then it happens. The Lord called to Samuel. And he said, Here I am. Now Samuel had been given to the Lord under the watch of Eli after he had been weaned by Hannah. At this time, that could have been anywhere between the ages of two and five. When Samuel receives this call, he's somewhere between the ages of twelve and fifteen. Which means, at minimum, Samuel has been serving the Lord for six or so years, if not more. Now, the problem of the day is that the word of the Lord is rare. So when the Lord calls Samuel, he doesn't know it's the Lord. So he runs to Eli. Here I am, for you called me. Now Eli, spiritually blind, unable to see, has no idea what the Lord is doing yet. So he sends the boy back to lie down. The Lord, meanwhile, allows for this to happen. The Lord could have said, Samuel, no, it is I, the Lord. Do not go. Stay here. Don't run to Eli. I am your father. But instead, the Lord uses Eli one last time. Samuel again hears, Samuel. He runs to Eli again, and Eli sends him back to lie down. 
Verse 7 here is key. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The emphasis continues to be the word of the Lord was rare and unheard. But what we're seeing now is that that is not how the Lord wants it to be. The Lord spoke directly to Samuel, and yet he was still unable to discern who was speaking. And then on the third time, Samuel is called and responds in the exact same way. And it's at this time we see Eli mentor Samuel. He tells him how to respond in 3, 8 through 9. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel does just this. He goes to lie down and prepares himself to hear the word of the Lord. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. The Lord came and stood. On this, the fourth climactic approach, the drama couldn't be any thicker. The Lord stands and calls Samuel two times. Samuel, Samuel. The repetition of this call is reminiscent of the call of Abraham. Abraham, Abraham. And the call of Moses at the burning bush. Moses, Moses. This moment in time, what is happening to Samuel is just as important to the people of Israel and Samuel as it was the time of Abraham and Moses. Samuel responds just as he was coached. Speak, for your servant hears. And the Lord responds. 1 Samuel 3:11 through 14 Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew, because his sons were blaspheming God, and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel hears the word of the Lord. Behold, I am. Samuel, the first three times, responded with, Here I am. And now we have the Lord saying, See, I am. The Lord is about to do a word. 
Debar, the word which the ESV translates as thing here, literally means word. Now we have a saying here at First Free, and that saying goes, the word does the work. That is what we are hearing in this text right now. The Lord is about to do a work by His Word. The Word will tingle, or better yet, to cause one to quiver in fear. This message is about to undo the entire priesthood. Israel doesn't yet understand the full extent of what is happening here. But they know it's different. Eli's house is about to be torn down. He says, the Lord says, On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. This message was a terrifying revelation to Samuel, but was in fact a confirmation of the judgment against the house of Eli that Eli has already received from that godly man in chapter 2. Eli's house will be torn down, and the house of the faithful priest will rise. The Lord makes it clear here that even though Eli verbally exhorted his children, he is being held accountable, for he did not actually restrain his sons. Eli's authority as father, priest, and judge allowed for him to go above a verbal interaction with his children. He could have stripped them of their titles cut them off from their people, ultimately restraining them. The Lord has something to say about that. I am about to punish his house forever because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel is afraid to share this word. Like I've said, Eli is now Samuel's spiritual father. For the last six to seven plus years, Samuel has been submitting to the leadership of his spiritual father, Eli. And now, Samuel has received the word of the Lord. He knows what he must do. And he's going to end up delivering the death blow to the ministry of Eli. 1 Samuel 3.15-18 Samuel lay until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And Eli said, What was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you, and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And Eli said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Samuel had heard the word of the Lord. 
and now he needed to deliver it. The word of the Lord was intended to be delivered to Eli, for he is the addressee of this prophecy. Eli sees Samuel first thing in the morning, and right off the bat, he requests to hear that prophecy. And then emphasizes the importance of not holding a single word back. And Samuel, being a faithful servant, reveals the entire prophecy, not hiding a single thing from Eli. The Lord wants his people to know him. Therefore, he delivers his word to Samuel, and then Samuel delivers the word of the Lord to Eli. And then Eli receives that word of the Lord. The word of the Lord was no longer rare. By the word of the Lord, a work is begun. By this word, the house of the priest receives its second eviction notice. And Samuel is established as Israel's new prophet. 1 Samuel 3.19 and following starts this way. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Samuel continues to grow in his ministry. From the moment of conception through the early development of Samuel and then the call of Samuel into this prophetic ministry, and now the maturation of him in this ministry, it is clear that the Lord has been at work in Samuel's life for the purpose of revealing himself. It is the Lord that does not allow any of Samuel's words to hit the ground. All of Israel, right, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. Dan sits at the furthest point north of Israel, and Beersheba sits at the furthest point south. Therefore, all of Israel knew that Samuel was established as the prophet of the Lord. Just as all of Israel knew that the sons of Eli and the house of Eli was corrupt, now all of Israel hears the word of the Lord in Samuel the prophet. Samuel heard and delivered the word of the Lord. And the Lord was revealed to his people by his word. 321 says, For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord was rare, and the Lord made sure his people would hear his word again in order that his people would know him. To overcome the problem, the Lord revealed himself by his word to Samuel. The Lord ultimately cares about revealing 
who he is. We see that in the way he removes Eli, establishes Samuel, and even more so today with the gospel. For our note takers, I'm going to give a few scriptures here that I'm about to read. I'm about to read John 1, 1 through 3, verse 14, and 17 and 18. Remember that the word of the Lord is doing a work, and the Lord wants to reveal himself. Let's look with me at John 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. 17. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known. We know that by the written word, the living word is being revealed to us. This book I hold here now is the living, breathing word of the Lord. It reveals to us the Lord and his purpose. We can hear of Jesus Christ coming in the flesh, living a perfect life, sacrificing himself on the cross, only to resurrect three days later, defeating sin and death. All of this is known by this word. The Lord reveals himself to us not merely to know him, but to be like Samuel and serve him doing as we are asked to do. We do not have this knowledge purely for the sake of knowledge. We must submit ourselves to repentance and true revelation. Knowledge without obedience is not revelation. I'm going to say that again. Knowledge without obedience is not revelation. We must drive past the collection of biblical truths and move ourselves to biblical action. Now some of you might notice, and you might have been a little uncomfortable at first, I didn't read the word of the Lord. At this time, instead of closing in a prayer, I'm going to ask you all to stand with me I know, it's different, it's awkward. It's at the back half instead of the front half, I get it. But I felt it closing for the last words that you hear from me to not be my own, but to be the entirety of chapter 3. 1 Samuel 3.1 Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. 
there was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I will declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay until morning, and then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, and he said, Here I am. And Eli said, What was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you, and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him. And let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. At the beginning of this passage, the word of the Lord was rare. In the middle, the Lord gives Samuel his word. And then we see the Lord reveals himself by his word. That last verse reads again, For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And the word of Samuel came to all of Israel. This is the word of the Lord. <clears throat> 